Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. And uh, happy Papa Vinia Day, Chris. I know it's a holiday celebrated in your house every year. <laughs> every year, every year I go back and look for the uh, excellent James K piece from way back when on Amazing Avenue, uh, sort of mocking all the people who act like they discovered this news every year mm-hmm. and um, fail to understand why teams make these kind of deals. Uh, I think more recently it's become popular on Mets Twitter to uh, highlight all the other players who also get deferred payments yes. on this date every year. Including many Bobby whom... Benilla, who gets one from the Orioles as well. Or at least oh. did. I believe that's now run out, but he did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, um, just sort of this common practice in baseball, um, you know, that he's the face of. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's a thing. I think it, it it annoys me less than it did maybe like three or four years ago because I'm just like jaded with it. It's just I I don't have the energy to be as annoyed with people for trying to make <laughs> right. a big deal out of it. Uh, I, I will as, also as point to, years ago. I'll point to a piece written by uh, your friend of mine, Ted Berg. He wrote for For the Win, I believe, in 2015 or 16, which basically outlines how. I mean, it, it, it's one of the more concise outlines for how, A, it was a smart move then, B, it's a smart move now, 
and C, it indirectly led to David Wright being a Met. Because the money that was saved by deferring his contract was then put into the the acquisition of... um, Oh, who Hampton? was it? It was Hampton, yeah. It was it was the ninety yeah, yeah, it was Hampton. And then Hampton signing with Colorado gave them a compensation pick, which was what they used to to take David Wright. So, you know, all of that stems from the Benia deal in a roundabout way. So, you know it's it's a fine deal. Don't be so mad at it, people. It doesn't make it doesn't it's not your first of all, it's not your money. Second of all, right. it's, it's, who cares? I don't know, whatever. Yeah, and now it's really not your money. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. When under the Wilpons, it may have actually been your money. Now, <laughs> now it's really not. Yes, your ticket, your t- like one one thousandth of your ticket cost might have gone to paying by Benia every year. But uh, yes, agreed. It is funny that they that yesterday the Mets tweeted out like big announcement on Bobby Boday, and a lot of people were convinced they were going to buy out his contract or something. And it's an Airbnb promotion. Yes. We'll leave it to the uh, successful businessman to <laughs> find a sponsor. Yes. Exactly. For, uh, for this. You know, that that is, uh, he, he sort of hinted at, uh, he alluded to, uh, I don't know why I said both of those things, but <laughs> he, he brought up early on after taking over the team that like, let's make a big thing out of it and celebrate it and whatever. And then... Mr. Uh, Money Man found somebody else to sponsor it and, and got Bobby Bonilla to agree to talk for two minutes. And, you know, that, that, uh, there you go. Yes. Airbnb is paying for part of it. So, on top of ultra billionaire Steve Cohen owning, <laughs> owning the team, uh, you know, it's, uh, there, there's even more to offset the, uh, the expenditure. Yes. And let me just state for the record, Bobby, we'd love to have you on the podcast. I know, I know you're a listener. Uh, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Just hit us up uh, at Brian Needs an App on Twitter. Um, all right. So anyway, let, let, let's move off of the Bobby Benilla Day celebrations. I'm sure you're having a party later today. You have to get prepped for. So let's 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 get through the podcast. We can resume our Bobby Benilla Day celebrations. Um, all right. So it's been a bit of a weird week for the Mets since we last spoke. Um, the Mets seem like a team right now, and, and maybe this is oversimplifying this, but it seems like the Mets are a team that you know is, is still in first place and still has a lead in the division, but it just seems to me like the Mets are playing like a team that is, is fighting for a, a spot in the postseason rather than a team that is sort of I don't want to say comfortably in that spot because I wouldn't characterize it that. But they're not playing like a first place team, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, I'm I'm not panicking. You know, we talked last week about how, you know, we're not in Panic City. We are just in the I believe we could we dubbed it the slightly concerned suburbs. Um but you know the that there are some pieces for the Mets that aren't working right now. Uh one of those is uh, obviously, the uh, the starting pitching outside of the top three of Degrom, Walker, and Stroman last night was a really really bad night for the uh, for the Mets. We saw David Peterson leave the game with injury, and while Peterson has not been 
you know, letting the world on fire. His last few starts have been pretty good, and he's looked like a cons- at least a solid back end of the rotation starter. Um, uh, Luis Rojas called the injury concerning. That's the most we've heard about it. It was right side tightness. We don't know how serious it is overall. But, you know, the Mets, they, they took two of four from the Phillies. They lost the Nationals on Monday. They've so far split the series with the Braves. They're hanging in there, but it feels like something needs to be done. And so, um, Chris, how do you how how necessary do you think the Mets? How necessary is a move for the Mets, and how many moves do you think that they are realistically needing to make this month to put themselves in the best place for the rest of the season? Well, I'd say a bare minimum, a reliever and uh, and a starter. Um, and we'll we'll delve into some of those potential options, but uh, yeah, that that's the bare minimum. The lineup, uh, I, I know now it's it's July officially, and I know it's a little weird, maybe to still say this, but like the they're better hitters than this, and it, it, the the counter argument to that is like, well, are they? Maybe they're not. Um, it's odd that they're this deep into the season with this many hitters who have good track records and they're still, I, I forget as of this morning, whether they're last or second to last in runs scored per game. Um, I would still expect that to correct itself. I, I still think Michael Conforto and Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor and I don't know, uh, several other guys. Uh, probably who I'm not remembering off the top of my head are better hitters than what they've shown. I think Dom Smith is better than, than what he's shown this year. Um, so I, I do think that'll come around. Uh, I, I wouldn't let that rule out trading for a position player. Uh, it would be nice if the Cubs were really bad and motivated to trade Chris Bryant, but they're not, um, you know, they're, they're in a position that I, Highly doubt they'll trade anyone away unless the next few weeks go very poorly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't refuse help. Um, you know, they've still got Albert Almora Jr. on the major league roster. Brandon Nimmo took another break in his rehab. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the next game he's going to play. Um, you know, Nimmo and J.D. Davis are, have sort of perpetually been about to come back, but they haven't actually come back. So there's there's room on the roster for that position player uh, or two if they're out there. But it's just not what I'm focused on right now because right now the Mets have 60% of a rotation. And, and look, Tyler McGill, as uh, Howie Rose has emphasized the correct pronunciation, if not... Uh, <laughs> complained about having to make the correct pronunciation, but Tyler McGill uh, has, he's done something out there. You know, he hasn't like had the Matt Harvey debut or anything like that, but he's at least gotten us all thinking, I think that, you know, Hey, it's interesting. Maybe he can stick. Uh, Maybe he can help out where, uh, you know, I, I saw him in Binghamton couple months ago Uh, right that's crazy Uh, he's a guy who our miners crew had mentioned as is like another player of note 
uh, somebody who might be worth watching, somebody who might be able to help the Mets in the bullpen, uh, not necessarily even this year. He wasn't on the Amazing Avenue top 25 prospects list. Um, but here he is. He's done He's done a little bit at the major league level to go like, oh, all right. Maybe he's a guy. Maybe he can fill in and, and give you something. Uh, that, that shouldn't be plan A, but I don't know. They need They need a pitcher, at least. I'd say they need one in the short term. Um, and then by the end of the month, they need to figure out if they need another one. I mean, I would just go for two <laughs> personally, right? Um, for a couple of reasons, you know, first of all, we don't know when Carrasco is coming back. We don't know when Syndergaard is coming back. If one of those guys gets healthy and comes back, McGill can easily shuffle off to the minors. Yep. No, no problem there. If Peterson's injury is not serious, and one of those guys gets healthy, Peterson can work out of the bullpen, or they can go to a six-man rotation for a little while, or you know, keeping Degrom. Maybe, maybe you keep the three top guys on regular rest, and you throw an extra guy in there every now and then, or you piggyback some guys. You make one of them into a long reliever. There's lots of options there. I would like to see them target two starters. I think if they target starting pitching, the bullpen will improve as well, because I mean, look. We should just we should be honest here. We have been big Sean Reed Foley fans, but he's looked pretty bad lately. Last night especially. Last night he was among the many who looked bad. I, I don't want to necessarily just target Sean Reed Foley for last night because last night was a uh, was a rough night for the Mets. But you know, part of the reason that Reed Foley looked a little bit rough was because he had to come in in the middle of a game because of an injury. Part of the reason that he's looked rough overall is because he's had to pitch more innings than he probably should because the Mets don't have the starting depth that we all thought they'd have. And that is not this is not me necessarily shitting on the Mets process because the Mets did add a lot of depth this year. It's just been a particularly bad year in terms of injuries. And the one big thing, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people are talking about this, I don't know if Jordan Yamamoto's injury really warranted a jump to the 60-day IL or that was done for just roster manipulation reasons, but I feel like he, uh, he'd he be very useful right now, but he's unavailable. Um, you know, but looking at the, the box score, I turned the game off last night when it was, I believe, 14 to 2, something like that, and uh, after the fifth inning, and I mean the fact that they lost that they lost twenty to two, and granted a big part of that was Thomas Zapucky in his first major league start basically being asked to just be a mop up man and giving up six runs. Uh, we got Albert Almora Jr. pitching a full inning, <laughs> giving up a, a home run and uh, three earned runs. You know, it was it was it was a rough rough night. But those nights happen for teams. The problem is these nights have happened more for the Mets the, over the last month and a half than it should have players leaving the game early whether it's the Grom or Stroman or the bullpen games that have had to happen or you know expecting Jared Eikhoff to be a short-term solution so I, I think they need to go after two starting pitchers I, I, I feel for I feel more strongly about them going after two starters than I do about them going after a starter and a reliever yeah you yeah, know that 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 makes complete sense and I think uh, one other thing with Peterson too is he, he, like McGill, can just be optioned to Syracuse. Um, 
I know he made a good first impression during the short season last year, and and anybody stepping into that situation and and having some success, I get why people latch onto that. Um, but all winter coming into the season, I I thought he shouldn't be in the top five rotation spots. Um, you know, I don't know if the Mets wind up with Taiwan Walker if Carrasco wasn't delayed in February and, and like they felt like they had to, uh, do something after coming close to signing Trevor Bauer, who, uh, you know, I think it's worth mentioning is being accused of a lot of really terrible things right now. Um, and, and, you know, the athletic piece about that, if it, it has a lot of details of those things, um, but it's a tough you, read. Right. It is. It is. Um, but despite knowing the type of guy he, he seemed like he was, uh, the Mets were going after him pretty hard. Thought they, you know, thought they were going to sign him. And then Walker happened after that. Um, so I don't know if they wind up with one of the better pitchers in baseball on, on, a, on a really team-friendly deal. Um, if, if not for those events and, you know, Peterson was kind of always in a rotation spot. You know, there was never a moment where they said, Oh, we got Carrasco. Uh, we've got, you know, DeGrom, Carrasco, Stroman. Uh, we, we think Syndergaard will be back. Um, you know, and, and then we're going to get somebody else, uh, and bump Peterson out. You know, I guess, there's a, a potential scenario there where they, they get everybody they want uh, and and Peterson starts the year in the minors. But realistically, there was no point in time where you went like, oh, Peterson's out of a rotation spot. Uh, and I think, I think it's not unfair to say, you know what, if he pitches in Syracuse a little bit more and then he's the guy who comes up uh, when, when you need those spot starts or when a guy is injured for a start or two or more. Uh, that wouldn't be the end of the world, uh, you know. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he's hurt. Then, then they have three actual major league starting pitchers with several in limbo, <laughs> and <laughs> and you just you just need five. I mean, honestly, as this season goes on, you you might need six. I um, I don't think anybody's hit a wall yet, but they didn't play a full season last year, not even close. So. If some pitchers start to struggle uh, as this season goes on, I think a lot of there's there's that potential that with MLB's emphasis, emphasis on the uh, sticky stuff stuff that people will start to wonder and point fingers and all that kind of thing. But I, I do think it's worth remembering that coming into this season, it would be perfectly reasonable for everybody to get kind of tired and play like crap in July and August. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Absolutely. So, yeah. But I, I wouldn't count on, in support of your desire for two starting pitchers, like, right away... I wouldn't count on an inning from Syndergaard or Carrasco this year. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they both get you know get back out there. I think they're both very talented pitchers. And it would be fun to see them play as Mets. But uh but yeah, no, it's it, you gotta you gotta get there. And this patchwork thing has worked very, very well for like a while now. But um I, I think we're starting to see you know, maybe maybe a few leaks in the in the ship. So let's talk about how we we would plug those leaks. So we'll do this for a couple of weeks, maybe if the Mets don't make a move. But uh, we have each identified two teams that we think maybe have a um, a pitcher or two that would make sense for the Mets. We we want to f- first off put out the bat here. We are not good trade makers, or at least I'm not a good trade maker. So I don't have a. Oh, you obviously trade this player for this guy. I'm I'm just identifying players that I think may be available and would likely be um, in the Mets, maybe in a price range that wouldn't be considered blockbuster or huge deals. People who are just going to would help maybe fill out the the rotation and give them some decent starts. So, Chris, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first with our first team? Sure. Yeah, I'll 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 lead off here. Uh, <laughs> I'll start small though. The Pirates are terrible. Uh, this is not a sexy trade target by any means, but um, you know we, we we're just kind of looking at teams that are definitely out of it. And ideally, I mean, look if the Mets can make a move for somebody who's under team control for a long time, we're we're not going to rule them out. And we might touch on some of those guys as as we do this. Um, but the logical thing or the most logical thing or the easiest thing for a team that doesn't have a ton of prospect stock, uh, to, from which to trade would be finding guys who are on deals that expire either this year or soon, um, making them uh, just easier to get. So, uh, the pirates have Tyler Anderson, He's he's 31 years old. He's been around for uh, for a little bit. He's he's a former Rocky. That's the other team I'm going to talk about in a couple minutes here. Spoiler um, alert. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> look, he's he's not spectacular. He has a 4.75 ERA right now this year. He had a 4.37 in the in the short season last year. Uh, 4.67 for his career. Uh, aside from a uh, short 2019 campaign. That's basically who the dude is, uh, you know, capable, but not great major league starting pitcher. Um, he signed a one year, $2.5 million deal with the pirates. So like, that's the only part of it that they can go like, Oh, he's basically free, you know, which team wants him the most. But I also don't think there's going to be like a hot Tyler Anderson market. <laughs> 
but what I what I like, despite you know, okay, the ERA is close to five. The Mets are having a hard time scoring runs. It, it, it can be easy to like look at that and go like, well, how's he going to help? But uh, the dude averages almost six innings per start. Uh, he hasn't been the most durable in terms of uh, you know pitching complete seasons. He only he's only been over 100 innings twice uh, in his major league career. But I don't know if he would cost almost nothing. He's definitely somebody who you can slot in there and and gives you a chance to win. Uh, is less prone, I think, to the Steven Matz effect or the David Peterson effect of uh, <laughs> the, the occasional one third of an inning start um, where you just give a little more stability to your bullpen, which I don't want to say has been exposed, but it's just starting to show a little bit of like uh, between injuries and, and performance that that magic of, Oh, okay. Somebody only went, uh, you know, one inning or less that's okay. These three guys are going to come in and be perfect. Um, you know, that, that wasn't going to sustain itself forever as much as it was fun to, to think about it. But Tyler Anderson and look, he's, he's pitching for a bad team. Maybe, maybe that factors into it, but, uh, he's gone five innings or more in every start he's made this year. Uh, he had one truly terrible start uh, in which he gave up nine runs Another one where he gave up six. That's not great. But I don't know. Most times he's going out there. Um, he's sticking around long enough that you can kind of figure out where the game is. And um, and, and he gives you a chance to win. So I'd have to imagine he wouldn't cost much. The Pirates are not exactly known for getting great returns in trades. Um, and he's, you know, he is not a marquee name. So that's that's my Pirates dude. Everybody else there has either been terrible or the the one pitcher who's been better, Brubacher, is like under team control forever. So right, <laughs> you know they don't like to pay anybody. I highly doubt they would give that up. So I have uh, two guys I want to target on the Twins. The Twins are, are out of it. They are not very good this year, and I think both of these players are interesting options for the Mets and I also think they're they are players who would be relatively easy for the twins to part with uh the first one is Michael Pineda he's currently on the 10-day IL it does not seem like his injury is very serious so I think that this is a worthwhile person to discuss you know Pineda had great success for the Yankees maybe not great success good success for the Yankees has been with the twins for a couple years now has never really reclaimed the hype that he had as a Yankee. He is a free agent after this season. And, you know, he's been he's been all right this year. You know, um, he has certainly not been setting the world on fire by any stretch. But, you know, he has uh, pitched, let's see, 56 innings. He is averaging about eight strikeouts per nine, which is right about where his career average is, about three and a half walks. I'm sorry, two and a half walks per nine, um, you know, one home run per nine. Nothing super sexy, but, you know, a sort of serviceable pitcher. He currently has an ERA plus of 112, so a little bit better than, than league average. He seems to be going about, it's averaging about five 
innings to start. This in in June he did less than that. He averaged uh, he went three four point one and four before hitting the IL. Hopefully when he comes back from the IL he will be able to give a little bit more depth because depth is one of the things the Mets desperately need. But you know I I think Pineda will, will basically would basically be a just back into the rotation filler guy. Again I don't think the Twins are going to want too much for him. And you never know, maybe coming back to New York would spark something in him, although I don't really believe that stuff happens all that often. But, you know, you never know. The other option is Kenta Maeda, who is still under the initial contract he signed with the Dodgers. So he's only making $3.5 million per year, and he's, he has two more years of team control after this year. So that makes him a little bit less likely to be traded. However, he has not been effective this year. You know, every year before now he has averaged he has had an ERA of under 4.2 and he's up at almost 6 right now he has um you know his his walk rate is up from where it normally is a little bit his strikeout rate is down a little bit from where he normally is but you know again i don't think the twins necessarily see Kenta Maeda as a long-term piece for them um and if if they do then they're obviously not going to trade him. But I think at this point in his career, he's probably considered pretty expendable. And he's just, he's a, he's a soluble, solid, durable starting pitcher for the Mets. Um, I thought you were going to say soluble. No, not soluble. No, I just, I just have uh bad. Don't get him today. wet. No, <laughs> he's like a gremlin. Don't get him wet. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, mean, I, I think either of those guys would be an improvement over the Jared Eikhoffs of the world. And, you know, if McGill is – if McGill can can be your number four temporarily, I'm fine with one of those guys as your number four or number five. Yeah, and I think it's the Pineda, it's worth noting too that he's – I think he's making $10 million this year. Um, again, these teams that are – uh, they like to frame themselves as small or medium market, despite all the money in baseball right now, uh, and and all that. They could be uh, inclined to just dump that salary. Yes, yes, absolutely, because it's a uh, you know it, it, it's a relatively minor thing for the for the Mets to pick up five million dollars, uh, even if it should be relatively minor for any team to do that. Um, all right, who is your next? You said your next team is the is the um, Rockies, correct? Yeah, so the Rockies are also terrible, um, and it's weird to turn to the Rockies for pitching help. But I, I know uh, Herman Marquez sort of caught a lot of attention because he just had an outstanding start the other night. He's only twenty six. Um, you know, he's posted sub four ERAs in. Two of the last three seasons. I mean, one of them was the short season, but still. And he's he's at three point six two right now. Um, you know, when you're doing that stuff and have even a decent strikeout rate and a decent ERA, and you're pitching your home games at Coors Field, uh, that that should say something. I, I do think the Coors Field effect sometimes gets a, a little overstated in terms of what a guy truly is. Uh, I think we saw it on the hitting side with Matt Holiday was a player the Mets were considering and got, you know, uh, traded to St. Louis. Um, we're seeing it again now. Nolan Arenado traded to St. Louis. Or uh, I forget if Holiday was a trade or free agent, but either way, both former Rockies, you know, 
go to the Cardinals and uh, and have maintained that they were pretty good hitters. So on, on the pitching side of things, I don't think taking the guy out of Coors is going to be like, oh, wow, he's like he's no one know, co-ace now. with Jacob deGrom yeah. now. Yeah. But I do think it's still fairly impressive that he's put up this kind of uh, track record there. Um, in his case, uh, Marquez, that is, he's he's on a very team-friendly contract that is guaranteed through 2023 with a team option for 2024. Um, the Rockies are weird. I, I don't know. Like, There's no outcome on this trade market that would surprise me. This is the team that just sent Arenado to the Cardinals and, and covered 50 million of his salary, despite him being like still in his prime and a great player. <laughs> um, and presumably they could have traded him without having to do that. I, so look, maybe you can fleece the Rockies um, uh, with him and that would be great. I, I, you know, that would be fun, but the cost might be a little bit higher. And then the other dude is John Gray, who uh, is set to hit free agency after this season. He's 29. Uh, you know, he he uh, had that highly touted prospect status. Uh, he's got, you know, a bit more major league experience overall. Um, actually, no, not that much by innings. Just looks like he's been around longer. <laughs> okay, so scratch that. But he's, uh, you know, He's a guy who's had some seasons where his ERA was pretty ugly. Um, 2019, though, was was solid. Again, like Marquez, you know, had a sub-4 ERA. Um, and right now he's at a 3.89. He got off to a really hot start this year. And I feel like that's happened once or twice, that he's he been, like, really, really strong in April, yep. May, and then sort of faded as the season's gone on. I, I have created for him in fantasy teams in April and May before, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that might not be the, the most ringing uh, endorsement of a guy that we're saying, like, go get him for the second half. But, again, there, there's enough there that uh, I think he's definitely better than a bullpen game. And there's enough talent there that you, you could run into another streak. Sort of, you know, sort of like what the Mets have done with Taiwan Walker. Um, you know, I don't know if they have necessarily changed anything really uh, other than they just kind of got him when he was fully recovered and healthy after missing quite a bit of time with Tommy John. Um, you know, that that circumstance is different, but you're taking somebody who's always been praised for the level of talent they have, uh, getting them into your rotation and then sort of reaping the benefits of, uh, you know, just a, a good run. So Gray would be... Uh, he'd be fun in that regard, even if he was just a rental. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, so I got one guy on the Kansas City Royals, another terrible team this year, uh, and that guy is Danny Duffy. Now, a couple of caveats here. He's the most expensive player we've talked about so far. He is making $15.5 million this year. This is the last year of his contract. He is a lifer on the Royals. And uh, Royals fans seem to be the kind of folks who appreciate that sort of thing. So maybe the team would be less likely to trade him. But I think in the last year of a contract, when he's making that much money, if somebody wants Danny Duffy, they're going to be able to get him. Uh, the concerning thing is that he was hurt for a spell. He missed a, about a month, five weeks, from uh, May 12th to June 23rd. 
And since he came back, he has only pitched uh, five, uh, six, point, six and a third innings of baseball. Um, however, before then, he did not make a start in which he went less than five innings. His uh, ERA plus for the season is I just had this and I scrolled away. You know, he, he is at a 189 ERA plus for the season, which seems very high for a guy of Danny Duffy's sort of historical talent. You know, he's a 2-4 ERA this season. Just seems, you know, strange. But, you know, his strikeout rate is a little bit up. His walk rate's a little bit down. You know, th th Those are sort of where I tend to look numbers-wise. I feel like those are those give a good sense for how he's pitching overall. And so, you know, he's, those are the right things you want to see. It's odd when a guy at 32 is doing this, but, you know, I, I think if the Mets can make this move, he's the guy I probably have the most confidence in to give them perfectly cromulent starts of everyone we've talked about. Just because he's durable, you know, he, he's a guy, he's he's pitched, aside from a, an early career injury or just early career, he only pitched about 25 innings in 2012 and 2013. Since then, he has pitched at least 140 innings, not counting the sorry, 130 innings, not counting the weird uh, half season last year. He's already pitched 48 innings this season, and so I, I just think he's a guy that, if this is a special season for him, maybe you're getting a special player. If he just had a good first half of the year and he reverts back to what he is, I think you can count on what he is to be to be who he's always been, a guy with a four ERA striking out eight or so folks per nine innings. Um, we didn't say they'd be, they'd be sexy names, right? We never said that they, these would be exciting names that would get everybody amped up. But if you have the the carrot of Carrasco and Syndergaard potentially coming later in the season – I don't I wouldn't make that big blockbuster move especially because the Mets don't have the minor league depth to trade those to, to trade players right now for those to trade the type of players who the Mets would need to trade to bring home a a blockbuster. You know, when Chris and I were talking before the show, I mentioned how much I like Zach Gallen in Arizona, but it would take a lot to get Zach Gallen. And I don't think the Mets are have the pieces to do that without seriously disrupting either their farm system or their major league club so um i guess next week if the mets find themselves in a uh in a similar position we'll go through another couple of teams and pick out some players uh, until they actually do something so anything else to say about the last six games or so from the mets chris um i know they haven't been the most exciting but i they've been fine it would just be uh, it would be a lot of fun if starting with Jacob Degrom tonight, uh, and then the Subway Series, and then what they uh, they they finish out before the break with the the Pirates, correct? Am I missing a series in between? You're missing the Brewers in between, yes. Ah, uh, okay. Well, the Brewer, okay, never mind. Just win a few games over the next few days. You know, get get everybody feeling good again. Um, it's I don't know. It's just not that. Uh, they're not in that bad of a position. I think in some ways that gigantic loss last night can be a little cleansing because it's just ridiculous. You know, I wrote in the recap that Almora, uh, it, I think he just, he didn't want to like 
show up the three actual pitchers so he decided let me let me just give up a few runs to stay on brand with this game and not make these guys <laughs> feel bad um those games happen sometimes um you know so you just move on and, and what better way to start fresh after that than than jacob de so yeah that's all just some mild optimism going forward i think that's fair you know, they, they still do have a two-game lead over the Nationals, who have been incredibly hot lately, but still seem like a dog shit team to me. So I think that will that will fade soon. But Yeah, no, I'd know. be much more concerned about the Braves kind of finding themselves than anything else right now. I don't think the Nationals are actually good. The Marlins are clearly actually bad. And I, I don't think the Phillies are good either. Like the, To me, the Braves are the one team that you want to you win this series uh, and keep that distance between you and them. Agreed. All right, Chris, we we were both tossing up music picks before the show. Have you figured out what your music pick is going to be? Yes, I am. I am going with something that's appropriate as as my alternate uh, to to my original idea. But uh, it, it was really hot out recently. You know, summer is always a good time to listen to this record. Uh, really hot weather and being outdoors, I think, is an even better time to listen to it for me. Um, it's a bit of a safe pick, as is referenced in the uh, title of the album. Safe as milk, Captain Beefheart. Uh, probably the most accessible Beefheart record, although there, there are a few others that, that are close uh, in terms of accessibility. Um, his challenging stuff is it's great because it you know is challenging in a good way. Uh, still really good music, but Safe as Milk is just sort of like you throw it on and it's hard not to be in a good mood pretty much throughout the record. Um, there's a few songs on here that have been covered. I think probably most famously grown. So ugly covered by the black keys. Um, I think Sonic youth covered electricity. You know, there, there's, I don't know. There's just some, some good stuff from start to finish. I'm not doing it any justice with this description, but <laughs> but Captain Beefheart was outstanding, um, and, and one of my proudest little things that we did at, at, at the wedding, we had a, a, a dish that was, is, that was served um, that, that was Beefheart, and I made sure that a Captain Beefheart song played during dinner, <laughs> because... I don't know if anybody there, there are people there who definitely know the music and probably ate the food, but I don't know if anybody there made that connection. Right. But in my mind, it had to happen. So <laughs> that's my beef heart wreck. Um, Safe as Milk came out in 1967. If for some reason you have not listened to it yet, go do that right now. Uh, I I have the the rare pleasure in life that I actually have met and corresponded with a former Magic Band member a number of yeah. times. Uh, later than that, he was part of the last era of the Magic Band. His name was Eric Drew Feldman. He also played with The Residents and Frank Black and uh, PJ Harvey. He's a very, very cool dude. And if you if you ever happen to meet him, another, if you meet Eric Feldman, just ask him, tell me a Beefheart story. You will not be disappointed. He has, a, he has amazing Beefheart stories. Awesome. Um, so you uh, you kind of inspired me here to pick an album that feels like an outdoor hot weather album. 
So there's a band uh, there from my neck of the woods in New Jersey. They're specifically from my home county of New Jersey, Bergen County, uh, where I grew up. I do not live there anymore, but I will always be Bergen County in my blood. And uh, the band called, is called Real Estate. They are sort of a jangly pop band uh, from Ridgewood, New Jersey. And their first couple of albums to me seem very autumnal. They just felt like albums you'd put on in the fall. But in 2017, they released an album called In Mind. And for some reason, this just sounds like humidity to me. I don't know. I think sometimes our brains do this to us we, where we hear something and maybe it's the time we hear it or just the mood we're in. It instantly sort of gets like locked into your mind that way. And for some reason, this album to me very much sounds like a humid, hot summer day. Um, this is the first record they have with their guitarist, Julian Lynch, who joined shortly before this. Uh, Julian Lynch is another great solo artist. I actually really, really enjoy Julian's work. And Julian actually appeared on a compilation with Chris and I that I released last summer on my record label. So, um, yeah, but uh, In Mind by Real Estate, specifically the song Two Arrows really sounds like hot summer heat to me. And uh, yeah, that is my music pick. So anyway, thank you all for listening. We, uh, as always, truly appreciate it. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for all of your Mets needs. You can, If you're really a sadist, you could go and read Chris's recap of the 20-2 loss last night. But hopefully you have something better to do with your time. And that's no offense to Chris's writing. It's just why would you want to revisit that? Uh, I didn't so, write much about the game. I wish <laughs> I had gotten even more like crazy and experimental with it because, you know, who wants to read it? But yeah, I I, I think I, think I remember it's, it's not as painful as watching the game. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Um, I remember back in the day when Eric's when Eric was running the site, I had lobbied for just having my recap be shit sandwich. Which is a Spinal Tap reference, uh, and he he would not allow it. So it was it was one of, it was a game like last night's game, and there was nothing good to say. And I was just gonna write shit sandwich. And, uh, that was the the Spinal Tap review for Shark Sandwich. For those that don't that aren't aware of, uh, of of this is Spinal Tap in the way that I am. So anyway, um, again, thank you for listening to MasonAvenue.com. Amazing Avenue is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. This podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Find it there. Rate, review, and subscribe to it, please. We appreciate that. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am a Brian Dinap. And until next time, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.